This week, the Comics Guys Explain, The Blue Beetle, Part 2. Yes, thank you, Ben. This time we are going to be continuing our talk about Blue Beetle. Last time we went over uh, both versions of the Dan Garrett one. Uh, the original, who uh, gave drugs to children <laughs> to get superpowers. If you, if that doesn't make any sense to you, go listen to the last episode. And the second version, uh, who is an archaeologist uh, who dies in front of the, I guess, third version, uh, or the the person who takes up his mantle, uh, Ted Cord, um, who is an archaeologist with a magic blue beetle pendant. We also got to the collapse of Charlton as a publisher. And where we are now is our next appearance of Blue Beetle, which is somewhere that we don't normally talk about and maybe wouldn't uh, normally think of as uh, being the next appearance of a comic book character. Uh, but that is the Electric Company, right? Exactly. Now, this version of Blue Beetle, uh, as if you've been kind of like following along, you'll notice that like Blue Beetle seems to kind of like change hands without any sort of like legal documentation of anything that happens here, right? Like it's like the whether Charlton had the rights to this character or not is a definitely debatable thing. But when Charlton goes under, Blue Beetle hasn't appeared for a few years. Then we have a TV show that starts up. It's called The Electric Company. It's on PBS. It's part of their, you know, children's programming. Um, it is much loved by people from, like, my generation. Everybody remembers Easy Reader, and they remember Spider-Man and the relationship that Electric Company had with Marvel Comics. The other superhero who appeared on Electric Company was quote-unquote original, but very obviously not. It was The Blue Beetle. And uh, there was no, the electric company did not have any rights from Charlton acquired or anything. They basically were creating another character called the Blue Beetle whole cloth. The extent to which any of the writers at Electric Company were familiar with either the Charlton or Fox Features or Holyoke versions of the character is once again, a complete mystery. Nobody has ever kind of like confessed that they ripped off a character that they remembered from their own childhood. Um, it may have been something that was just like created completely, uh, you know, by accident or, you know, unawares that they were ripping something off. But the Blue Beetle compared to Spider-Man, right? Like Spider-Man is super cool. Yeah, on Electric Company. He doesn't talk, if you remember. Uh, you know, his mask covers his mouth and everything. So, like, he always has word bubbles, uh, like, floating over his head that are, like, what Spider-Man is saying. Uh, their other hero, Blue, uh, Blue Beetle, who was played by uh, Jim Boyd, was the name of the actor, was, like, the inept superhero. He's the comedy superhero. He's kind of fat. His costume is that he's, like, wearing a T-shirt that says Blue Beetle, and like shorts and tights and a sneaker and then sneakers and he's got like antenna like googly you know antenna coming up from his mask and he's got plastic fake wings uh you know like coming out of his back like he could fly which of course he can't right and uh when he would arrive on scene uh you know he would like jump into a scene and you know kind of like famously in a big deep voice say never fear the blue beetle is here and then completely screw up whatever situation that he was in. Um, so the character appears for four years in the comics. He actually teams up with Spider-Man several times. 
um, and appears a couple of times in spin-off materials, right? He never does appear in Spidey Super Stories, though, which was the Marvel official electric company like spin-off comic. I think even Marvel recognized at the time that that was a character with some fairly questionable rights issues attached to him, and so they never used him in the Super Stories. Uh, but he does appear in, you know, like, uh, you know, restaurant stuff and everything, the other kind of like promotional work that uh, that electric company would get. Um, and you could get T-shirts and stuff of him as well. Uh, but once again, Electric Company had no rights to the character, but for an entire generation, that was the, the the character associated with the name Blue Beetle, right? Like people knew that guy on TV much more than they'd ever heard of the comic book character. And so Blue Beetle had kind of like become this feature of this 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 character who was like he, he was a figure of fun, right? Like I mean, he was a, he was a silly, inept superhero. He was a comedy hero, right? Kind of thing, which he had never been before. Um, so we kind of skip ahead now. It's a he's he's Blue Beetle on TV from seventy three to seventy seven. The comic book version of Blue Beetle has not appeared since nineteen sixty eight. Nineteen eighty three, so fifteen years after. Charlton has kind of gone into quiescence as a comic book publisher. Um, we get uh, AmeriComics, and AmeriComics is Bill Black's indie comic line. Bill Black is a noted kind of like comic book historian um, who was doing a bunch of like indie old-fashioned superheroes at a time when that was kind of like out of style, right? Um, you know, uh, in in 1983, indie comics was a time of like these really cutting edge new characters. It was the time of like Nexus and Grendel and all of these other, you know, kind of like new weird kinds of heroes. And AmeriComics was very much like, we're going back to old fashioned stuff. We're going back to, uh, you know, beautiful women in tight costumes and, you know, muscular heroes with capes and everybody's a super good guy, etc. And so Bill, is in contact with, contacts some of the people from the Charlton, the post-comic book Charlton Company, and says, you know, I'd like to license some of your guys. I want to license your characters and, like, do new versions of their stories, right? Like, I want to have Captain Atom. I want to have Blue Beetle. Uh, I want to have uh, Nightshade. I don't want to have the question because he's a little scary, <laughs> right? Like, even today, that's like, I'm not ready to, you know, like, bring back the Ian Rand superhero. But let me have some of these other characters here. And we're going to bring them back in a new team that we're going to call the Sentinels of Justice. And so they license those characters for almost nothing. I mean, Bill Black has very little money that he's doing AmeriComics with, but Charlton doesn't charge him very much for characters that they consider basically dead. Um, and he publishes a set of appearances of a superhero team called the Sentinels of Justice that stars among this, their characters, Blue Beetle. Um, at the same time, Charlton gets an offer from DC, or right around the same time, Charlton gets an offer from DC to acquire those characters. And facing kind of like the difference between the amount of money that DC is willing to pay to like have these characters and what they're doing with Char with AmeriComics, Charlton is just like, no question, uh, by the way, AmeriComics, we're canceling your license uh, because DC is acquiring all those characters. If you want to, you know, like work something out with DC, feel free, good luck. Uh, but we are taking our money and running. And so uh, DC acquires all of these characters, and AmeriComics has to cancel Sentinels of Justice. They don't cancel Sentinels of Justice. What they do is revamp Sentinels of Justice and create their own versions of all of these Charlton characters, 
right? So the character who was Blue Beetle becomes the completely different character called the Scarlet Scorpion, right? And all of the other, uh, you know, characters that they were licensing get new names and new costumes, but they're basically the same guys. And that team continues to get published by AmeriComics for a while. Uh, but the actual, you know, character licenses go over to DC. That is the time uh, because uh, Dick Giordano, who had been one of the lead Charlton guys, is now the president at DC, and he was the one who kind of like pushed for getting those characters. This is, of course, the time that Alan Moore takes his pitch for Watchmen uh, and presents it as a thing that we would use the Charlton characters for, including Blue Beetle. And at first, that seems like a great idea until the DC management realizes what it is that he intends to do with these characters, that he's killing several of them and telling this super kind of like adult uh, story that would basically like ruin the use of these characters going forward. And they say, Alan, you can't use these characters for this. And so he makes another version of those characters uh, to become the Watchmen, basically. And of course, the, the Blue Beetle gets turned into Night Owl in this version. Right. And so Night Owl now flies around in a big vehicle, uh, you know, that uh, looks like a bird instead of like a bug. Right. And he has no powers, but he's a super brilliant inventor, et cetera, et cetera. And he's got a connection to the older version of himself. In this case, uh, you know, Night Owl, the, the first Night Owl um, didn't die like Dan Garrett did. He's still around so that he can die over the course of, you know, Watchmen, basically. He can get mugged and get killed. Um, but Night Owl is... 100% the character who was supposed to be Blue Beetle in that version, right? Uh, Dick Giordano says, you know, no, no way. That's not what we're doing with our guys. We are going to introduce the all of the Charlton characters uh, in this new upcoming series that we have that's going to change everything about the DC universe anyway. It's called Crisis on Infinite Earths. And so in Crisis, we learn that the characters who were all part of Charlton Comics, all of those characters, uh, Captain Adam and Nightshade and The Question and Thunderbolt, et cetera, et cetera, all lived on Earth 4 of the multiple Earths, uh, you know, versions of DC. And once again, if you don't understand DC uh, continuity, please go back and check our, uh, our, our episodes on that. Um, and so these characters debut in Crisis, and Earth 4 is one of the worlds that gets smushed into the new Earth after Crisis, basically. Um, so, like, DC continuity is retroactively changed so that these guys have been here all along, right? Like, the Charlton characters are now part of the DC universe, and they've always been part of the DC universe. You just didn't meet them yet, right? Sort of thing. So uh, Blue Beetle makes his debut in Crisis. And then features very strongly in the next big summer crossover, which is Legends. And so Legends is kind of like the real opportunity for readers to get to know this, to learn this character. Um, because like Crisis is such a, you know, slam bang, go so fast kind of thing that you really didn't get much of an opportunity to see his personality or really what his powers were like or his backstory or anything. Legends kind of like sets all of that up. And Legends definitely kind of, uh, you know, set the the tone for what Ted Cord was going to be going forward. Legends was a huge smash, like Crisis was. And so coming out of Legends, Blue Beetle not only gets his own solo comic, but is a member of the new version of the Justice League that comes out of uh, comes out of Legends, which is the Keith Giffen and J.M. Demetis, the Boahaha League, right, kind of thing, that, and Justice League International and all of that stuff. Um 
the Blue Beetle solo series is done by Len Wein with Paris Collins. Uh, it's a modest hit. It lasts for, I think, three years, basically, before it gets canceled as just, you know, sales kind of fall off. Um, but Blue Beetle remains part of the Justice League for years. Uh, he is never quite fully taken seriously as a character, right? I mean, like, you know, when you combine the uh, the natural kind of like way that Demetis and Giffen wrote him as a funny character, as a comedy character, as the guy who would like crack a joke or whatever, and also kind of like the 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 normal human guy, right? Like Blue Beetle always had a bit of a weight problem. He has to like, you know, like work out more, you know, to kind of like keep from, you know, like uh, not being able to fit in his costume, right? Kind of thing. Um, all of that kind of like tone for that character was certainly kind of like influenced by the way he'd been portrayed on Electric Company. Right, like nobody can really take Blue Beetle that seriously as a character anymore, uh, because of the existence of the Electric Company version. Uh, he's in Justice League for many years, throughout the '80s into the '90s, bounces around the DC universe, you know, showing up in various places, even though he doesn't get his own solo comic again. He's in the Super Buddies. He's in Birds of Prey for a while, where he's got like this massive, uh, unrequited crush on Barbara Gordon as a big kind of like plot element for him while he's also like designing gadgets for them to use, et cetera. And so this is kind of where he sits throughout the nineties. Um, certainly a well-liked character, even if probably nobody's favorite hero, right? Except for a friend of the show, Scott Ogden, who was one of the reasons that we're doing this episode. In 2005, we are doing the, uh, it's the countdown to infinite crisis. It's the next, uh, you know, like summer, uh, big summer crossover of 2005. And as part of the setup for this story, uh, Ted Cord, uh, Blue Beetle, has like figured out a conspiracy that's going on in the DC universe. He's figured out that Max Lord is a super bad guy, and uh, you know is up to uh, some serious no good. And nobody takes him seriously in the DC universe, right? Like he goes to tries to present his evidence to other characters, like Batman and stuff, and they're all like, none of them have time to listen to him or. You know, they think that he's just making stuff up or whatever. So he kind of goes on a solo mission to break into Max's like secret headquarters and prove that he's a supervillain, um, which all turns out to be true. Ted is completely right. And Max shoots him in the head at the end of the story, basically. And the death of Ted Cord becomes the thing that kind of like inspires a bunch of the heroes to get involved in the Infinite Crisis story. So sorry, Ted, you had to die to, you know, like set up some other character stories. Uh, but, you know, this is obviously not exactly a new a new problem for Blue Beetles to face. Right. As part of Infinite Crisis, we get yet another Blue Beetle. This time we get Jaime. Uh, and uh, Jaime is uh, um, a American, Mexican American kid, basically, um, who manages to get a hold of, kind of like by accident, basically, uh, a blue scarab like the kind that Dan Garrett had, right? The kind that never worked for uh, Ted Cord, right? Like that he never was able to use to give him superpowers. And I'm sure he got the one that Ted Cord. He does. He he gets one. the Ted Cord was keeping this one in his like headquarters or whatever, right. trying to study it and figuring out how it worked. And so Jaime appears for like uh, three issues of Infinite Crisis. Um, he like the the scarab like attaches itself to him and then builds like a suit of armor around him that gives him a bunch of powers that he's like barely in control of. 
right? Like the armor has like a personality. It has like an artificial intelligence that he's arguing with. Um, and it gives him a bunch of powers and it's super violent and wants to kill a bunch of people. And he just wants to use the powers uh, for good. And he doesn't want to like, you know, be as violent as the, uh, as, as the, the scarab armor seems to want him to be. Um, he appears literally for three issues of Infinite Crisis um, and then gets bounced a year into the future so that his first issue of his story, his, his solo comic, happens in as part of the one year later run, right? Like he basically misses the entire year of one year later. Um, and so kind of like it returns to Earth, basically, uh, you know, uh, unaware that he's like missed anything or whatever. And his parents have wondered where he is. I mean, he's a teenager, right? His his friends and parents are all kind of like freaked out. Um, and uh, as part of that, he now gets his solo series. It's co-written by uh, Keith Giffen uh, and friend of the show, John Rogers is the other writer and John Rogers basically takes over as the solo writer after issue number 10 Giffen kind of like drops off with uh, art by Coley Hammer. If you're unfamiliar with John Rogers work, he is also a game designer and is the designer of the leverage RPG among other things, which is an excellent, excellent game. Um, that run of uh, Blue Beetle, the Jaime Reyes uh, version of him is wonderful. It's the best written stuff that the Blue Beetle, Blue Beetle character has ever gotten. It's got this fabulous supporting cast, his family, his friends, Paco and Brenda, um, the uh, supporting characters like uh, Ladama, who is sort of a villain, but also kind of a, uh, you know, uh, somebody who can be worked with, and a version of Peacemaker who's completely unlike the version that you see today. Um, and actually, I liked quite better than the one that we have uh, that we have today. Um, and in this story, we kind of like go into the mythology of the scarab and like the point of the scarab. It turns out that the scarab is not magical at all, despite Dan Garrett's use of it like magically, basically. It is in fact actually a technological device um, that has like been scattered throughout the universe by aliens who are called the Reach, who use it as kind of like a, an, an entry point into their uh, relationships, their relations, political relations with other races. Um, that are always just kind of like a, 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 a scam, basically, right? It's always just kind of like a thin film over their actual intention of taking over uh, the alien species, the alien planets and, and societies that they encounter, right? And so uh, the Reach have a very bad relationship with the Green Lanterns, for example. Um, so every time Blue Beetle runs into a Green Lantern, like his armor really wants to fight them, even though like they're also good guys and sometimes even teammates or whatever. Um, he's a very fun character. They're very well-written stories for about three years. The solo series featuring Jaime uh, ends in uh, 2010 uh, with issue number 36, but at that point he then joins the Teen Titans for a while, uh, and, uh, and he's also in a version of the Justice League that's kicking around after that. Um, it made DC kind of made a big push with him early on. He was appearing everywhere. He got a lot of merchandising. DC really believed in him as kind of like a new character. But once John kind of like left to go work on leverage, among other things, uh, things started to kind of fade for him. But Jaime has appeared in Smallville, the TV show. He's appeared in Brave and the Bold. He was on Young Justice. He's been in a bunch of the recent Titans animated stuff. He still is kind of like a big part of the uh you know like the 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 current dc universe 
Young Justice season two is actually is really just an adaptation of some of those uh those early um or no season three actually is the season right. three um is really just a is a lot of it is adapted right from that solo series. Yeah, exactly. Telling the story of the Reach and everything as bad guys is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really good too. It's one of the better seasons of uh, Young Justice. Young Justice right. is a good show. Absolutely. So this is now like this was the state of the art of you know DC as of eight or ten years ago, right? Um, where where Jaime is kind of like the lead character and Ted is dead. Um, we have then kind of like a side note about this, which is that uh, other publishers have kind of noticed that uh, you know there's no legal, uh, you know, kind of like paperwork trail for any of this, right? Like DC definitely like has a paperwork trail back to Charlton at least. They paid outright to Charlton, but Charlton may not have owned this character in the first place, right? Like they may have like you know collected money for DC for something that they didn't own. But there's never really been anybody to kind of like actually actively dispute it. There's no other uh, person, you know, Victor Fox left the industry and, you know, basically disappeared effectively uh, back in the 50s, right? There's no uh, leftover version of Fox Features or Holyoke or any of these other companies to put up any sort of like complaint about it, right? Um, and so along comes Dynamite Publishing. And Dynamite kind of like takes a look into all of this because they're going to do a new series in 2008. It's called Project Superpowers. And Project Superpowers is going to feature a bunch of old Golden Age characters who are in the public domain, right? They've never had their, uh, you know, copyrights or trademarks refiled or anything that basically are just open, available for or anybody and dynamite does a bunch of their kind of like research they look into this and they're like we're pretty sure dan garrett with one t the the fox version of him is a public domain character right charlton doesn't really have the rights to that charlton just picked up some printing plates and started printing again they don't have you know like any kind of like legal recourse on this um so we're pretty sure this guy's a public domain character and so they publish project superpowers uh, featuring a character who very clearly is the Dan Garrett with one T Blue Beetle. But Dynamite is smart enough to notice that, like, you know, DC, regardless of whether, you know, DC, like, could legally stop us, they can certainly make our lives difficult if they felt like it, right? Like, Warner Brothers has much better lawyers than we do, and we don't really want to get on their bad side. Occasionally, we even work together on things. So uh, we don't want to directly make DC mad. So we're not going to actually call this guy the Blue Beetle. Uh, in the course of Project Superpowers, this character who is very obviously the Blue Beetle is only ever referred to by his like comrades and everything as just Big Blue. And so since they never use the name and they're never challenging the trademark or the copyright on Blue Beetle going forward, uh, you know, for this DC basically just kind of hand waves it and says this is, you know, much too much trouble for us to get involved in. We don't actually care. And so Dan Garrett with one T basically kind of like continues to exist now as this character that has been with a fair amount of, you know, kind of like uh, uh, legal acumen behind it is, is saying this is now a public domain character, even though DC owns the modern versions of him. Right. Yeah, Project Superpowers was Alex Ross's thing, right? Yes. So he really didn't yep. want to piss off DC because he's still Absolutely. 
No, nobody at Dynamite would, right? Like, I mean, you know, they have a, a reasonably good working uh, relationship to start out with anyway. And like I said, Dynamite doesn't have access to the kind of lawyers that Warner Brothers does anyway. So there's no, you know, there's there's nothing to be gained from like starting a fight with them. But on the other hand, they really wanted this character and they really kind of, you know, thought they were in the legal right, right? It's, you know, yeah. it's, it's kind of hard to argue with them based on the, the history of the character as, as we've established here. And the only character from this that really even kind of got like a resurgence was like Black Terror, if I remember correctly. Right. Like, a bunch of the Nidor characters, yeah. uh, you know, got to got to be featured in it. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, a combination. Project Superpowers was one thing that brought them back. And then uh, the Alan Moore using them all in Tom Strong brought them back, too. So. Right. Um, and then I think Archie does like a, brings back like the shield around this time, too, as like a another like retro golden age right thing right but we're pretty sure that uh mlj will at least insist that uh shield's not public domain though right right because uh, mlj has maintained continuous ownership they've just they've licensed him out right like every time the shield like you know when dc did the circle and that sort of thing um those were licenses paid to mlj right yeah okay cool that makes sense so Um... go back to what dc is doing Right. DC goes through, uh, you know, it's big uh, universe changes over the last few years that we'll talk about. We've, we've talked about before, like Flashpoint and that sort of thing. Um, Ted starts showing up in the comics again. And Ted is mostly showing up in the comics in the run of uh, Booster Gold because Booster Gold as a character can time travel. Right. And Booster Gold and Blue Beetle were best friends in the Justice League back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, they, you know, like the, the, they had a kind of were a team within the team sort of thing. They got into ridiculous situations together. Uh, they owned a casino together on a tropical island for a little bit just for, you know, for, for giggles. Um, and he's very sad uh, today about the death of, you know, Ted Cord. And so he travels back in time to kind of like hang out with him. And, uh, you know, kind of like it, it, it becomes a very complicated set of stories, right? Because obviously Booster Gold doesn't want to change history or anything. Um, but he also, you know, wants to see his friends. So like that kind of like becomes the tension uh, in, in, the, in the stories, right? And so uh, a version of Ted uh, continues to kick around, uh, you know, who's been like taken out of time before he actually dies kind of thing, right? Yeah, this is during the very, very good uh, Booster Gold run where he is the, you know, time's forgotten super cop. Right. He has to keep acting like a uh, dumbass because otherwise his enemies will get him. Exactly. Really good. It's like... Right, the, the, the whole idea that, like, Booster time. Gold's apparent dimwittedness is just an act. Yeah. Right. Um, eventually Batman figures it out, but, you know, Batman figures everything out. But it's right. it's a it's a really good run. Right, and it's got Rip Hunter and a bunch of other stuff that goes on, and it's a, it's it's cops of fun. Also, kind of at the end, if I remember correctly, it gets kind yes. of like really out there, but it it holds together. Yes, absolutely. Comes comes with our recommendation. Oh, um, yeah. Also, at this time is when uh, the Black Lantern stories are happening in uh, Blackest Night, right? And so, of course, then we get like an evil zombie version of Ted Cord who comes back, who is in fact still dead in this timeline, uh, and he comes back and you know is part of the, the the group of like evil dead superheroes, zombie superheroes who are like menacing our living heroes today. So, like, even though Todd, Todd uh, Ted has been dead at this point for you know ten years. Uh, he's never stopped showing up, right? Like he keeps being in the comic, and he keeps being referenced in Jaime's stuff, 
right? Because, you know, like the previous owner and, uh, you know, like of the scarab and everything, his name comes up uh, uh, a lot. And so when DC does DC Rebirth in 2016, Ted's death is undone, right? Like this, his encounter with uh, with, with uh, Max Lord never happens. He never gets shot in the head in the first place. That's just like gone from history. And Ted is now the previous owner of the Scarab and the user of the name Blue Beetle, who has retired from superheroing because Jaime has like learned to use the Scarab has joined with the Scarab and has the power armor and everything. And Ted is now kind of like his senior advisor, right? Like the two of them are kind of like working under the name Blue Beetle together uh, as a as a partnership, right? And they're both considered the Blue Beetle. Um, there has even been one or two times where Ted has had to wear the armor briefly, but usually it's always gone back to Jaime. It's, he's much better at it. Um, also, the whole idea that the Scarab... Uh, is a mechanical device is like a you know supercomputer AI has been rewritten again and now it's back to being magical. Um, the uh, actual kind of like uh, uh, nature of the reach in the post uh, post rebirth uh, storylines um, hasn't really been fully worked out yet. Um, they definitely do exist, but like their story may be slightly different. Their purpose might be slightly different. Um, so. For the last several years, we have now had Jaime and Ted running around um, related in, uh, you know, comics related to both the Justice League and Teen Titans. Right? I don't think he's gotten into comics since then. Um, so it's all been kind of like what happens, what what we see in those other, in those group comics. Yeah, he hasn't had a solo thing, I think, at all at this point. Yeah. If he has, I missed it. Anyway, it's I, I always have to confess, like when we get up into like things that happened in the 2020s, I'm not 100% sure that I haven't missed something. But I've been catching up on everything. I, I counted um, ongoings because I was, I was counting. Yeah, I, I tried to read some of every ongoing recently for other projects we're working on. Um, and I noticed DC on their ongoings, uh, literally 75% of them are Batman. Yeah, like right. you. They're either Batman or Batman spinoffs. It's it's very, they're very focused. Yes. And Blue Beetle doesn't really have anything to do with either of them, so uh, there isn't really kind yeah. of like room for him in that. If you're not really into Batman, you can get the hell out. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and like Teen Titans always got to have a Robin in it, so at least you know, like Teen Titans will continue to you know be out there for a Robin to be in, and I guess he's going to be part of that group. So. Yeah. Signal will get a solo series before uh, Blue Beetle at this point. Right. <laughs> no doubt. Well, now, hang on. You say that right now, except that we also uh, now know that a Blue Beetle movie is coming out next year in 2023. That's so true. I fully actually expect that like, we're going to see a whole lot more Jaime, uh, you know, mm -hmm. probably starting next spring or something like that to set up for that. It's, we're probably still, you know, a year away from that happening, but it has been already announced. Work has already like uh, uh, started on a Blue Beetle movie that will star Jaime. Uh, the actor is uh, Sholo Maraduena. Um, He's really and, good. Too. He's awesome in um in Cobra Kai. Yes, absolutely. And he, uh, the movie is uh, directed by Angel Manuel Soto, so it's all being done by you know Hispanic creators. Um who have, you know, were, were always kind of like the earliest to adopt Jaime as a character, right? Like he, he was one of the, kind of like the the foremost, uh, you know, uh, 
Latino superheroes. Latino superheroes, uh, you know, starting in the in the in the early two thousands, mid to you know two thousand six or so, um, and so like the you know the idea of like uh, getting him out as a, as as like a part of rep- uh, representation. That movie is supposed to currently in DC's plans, which are always a little sketchy and you know shaky as far as like dates for movies. Ever since uh, you know Warner Brothers has started to go through its problems, but as of right now, it is on the calendar for August of twenty twenty three. And so assuming that that kind of like holds together, I have every expectation that like you will see Jaime at least get like a big push, probably starting a few months before that. Yeah, I think I read that it it will, unlike because like the James Gunn taking over all their stuff, I think it is the first one that he is supposed to be taking over. Right. Yeah. And that he's confirmed it's still there under his regime, right? That he's really excited about it. Yeah, he has not, he did not, it's not getting canceled and he is excited about it and he is, but it might mean that it gets delayed because now it's got a new creative director. Entirely plausible, right. So, well, Like I said, yeah. it's, I, I, you know, you, you, you can't we'll count on day. any Warner Brothers announcement of a date more than a year away, right? Like that's just, sure. that's ridiculous. That's throwing darts, right? Like it, it'll be somewhere around here probably if it happens at all. So, yeah. But it's still, it looks good that it's happening. James Gunn has, you know, spoken positively of it, basically. And as of right now, as of, you know, yesterday when I was uh, finishing the script for this one, uh, it was still on the calendar at this date, right? So. so that brings us up to, as of yesterday, for the history of Blue Beetle. Uh, thank you all for joining us. I've been Steve Tasker. I'm Darren Watts. And if you like this sort of thing, want to see uh, more if you've got specific characters you want us to see or that sort of thing. If you back us on Patreon, you get to give us orders about what episodes are going to be coming up. So, Absolutely. Hopefully we'll see you on our Discord. Have a good night. Thanks for coming.